Last week, we continued with this series, Cause and Effect. And if you've not been a part of the series, do a really brief recap. Basically, we've been talking about this. The cause is this, what Jesus did on the cross. He died, he rose again. If we truly believe that happened, there, it should affect every area of our life. Amen? It should have an effect on every area of our life. But, and, but the quote we've been really diving into, Shane Pruitt said this, a Christianity that gets you into heaven while allowing you to continue living however you want to here on earth, which is what the gospel we're hearing preached right now. He said that Christianity is foreign to the New Testament. The real gospel changes who we are, changes what you do, changes your identity, and it changes your activity. In other words, it should affect every aspect of your life. Are you with me? Now, we, we've gotten into this culture where we don't like to be uncomfortable or make other people uncomfortable. So what we've learned to do is change the wording, change the name of things. Are you, are you with me? So that it doesn't sound so bad. The best illustration I saw this a guy named Miles Rutherford. Play that for me. Satan will change the name of sin to make sin adaptable to accept. So instead of changing our ways, we will change the wording. Instead of pedophilia, we'll call it minor attracted people. Instead of sexual exploitation, let's call it adult entertainment. Instead of adultery, we'll call it swinging in open marriages. Instead of mental illness, let's call it gender dysphoria. Instead of gender mutilation, let's call it gender transitioning. Instead of fornication, let's call it intimacy. Instead of lust, let's call it love. Instead of calling it a spiritual battle of good and evil, let's call it political. Let's call it a, a phobia. Let's call it hate speech. Call it something else. We are not called baby killers. We're called abortionists. It's no longer sin. It's a complex. It's an addiction. It's in a disorder. It's an obsession. So we don't feel bad about our sins. We change the name of them. And when we hear the truth preached, we feel conviction, but we condemn the preacher as hate speech. Well, perfect description of our culture we just change the name and, and we can look at that and say yeah that's right but we do it in church also in the church world we do it also and see I, here's here's what's sad about a lot of us a lot of us we've been doing this a long time we've been christians for a long time but hardly anybody you interact with outside of these four walls would know you're a christian Come on now. And now, listen, if this is your first time here, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was trying to think of something clever. But I'm preaching about changes that should be in your life, things that should happen. Can I tell you one of the most frustrating things Denise and I encounter as pastors? Seeing people that have been coming to church 5, 10, 15, 20 years and they are the same person today that they were 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago. 
Nothing has changed about them. I know people that have been doing this for a long time and they are the same mean-spirited, selfish, self-righteous person that they were when they started in this journey. Now, let me be clear. I've been in this a long time. I still don't have it, get it right all the time. I still have my days. But I can tell you this also. I am not the same Kelly that I was 20 years ago. I, I'm not the same Kelly I was even six months ago. And I hope I'm not the same Kelly six months from now that I am today. Because there should be a process that changes us on a daily basis. We talked about it last week. Sanctification. Changes. Changes. In fact, I'm doing a study this week on the Apostle Paul and how he saw salvation. Paul saw salvation in three steps. I don't know if you know it. Safe from the past. Safe, safe. We're, we're safe from the penalty of sin. But while we're living this life, we are being saved daily from the influence of sin. And then there's going to come a day when we'll be saved from the presence of sin completely. So there should be a process of things daily changing. And so coming to church does not automatically make you a follower of Jesus. Let me say it this way if you're taking notes. There's a difference between someone who attends church and someone who is actually a follower of Jesus. Uh, see, if you're a follower of Jesus, there are things about you that should be continually changing. It's, things should be different. If you're truly a follower of Jesus, you cannot hang out with Jesus and not change. In fact, I'll take it a step further since I'm this deep. If you're not changing, you're not following Jesus. That's good, Pastor. That's a little hard, but that was good. I like that. Here's the thing. It's okay to get mad at what I just said. It's okay to get offended. But what I hope you would do is allow Holy Spirit to deal with you, and you walk away. You know what? He's right. He's right. See, here, it is absolutely impossible to really actually follow Jesus and you stay the same. Come on. Because if we're consistently walking with Jesus on a daily basis, he's going to change things in us, through us. It's just going to happen. Well, that means, let's talk about Paul. We've been looking at him a lot throughout the series. Um, if we were to rank Christians, people that we consider heroes of our faith, I would say we could agree that the Apostle Paul would rank in the top three of all time. I mean, let's look at his resume. Paul brought a dead guy back to life. Any, listen, if you ever complain that I'm preaching too long, get this. Paul preached so long. A guy was sitting in the window listening to Paul. Fell asleep. Fell out the window. Got killed. Paul went downstairs prayed for the guy, brought him back to life, went back upstairs and started preaching again. So, 
I'm not long-winded compared to Paul. Um, Paul saw a lot of people healed, right? Paul saw Jesus face to face. Remember the road to Damascus? He comes face to face with Jesus. Paul wrote a third of the New Testament. That's Paul. Through following Jesus, Paul did some amazing things, right, church? So if there was ever anybody that could place, that, that could say, hey, I've nailed it in this walk. I've crushed it. I, I have followed Jesus so close, I don't know how I could get any closer to Jesus. If anybody could ever make that claim, it would be Paul. Yet Paul makes this statement in Philippians 3, 10. Look at this. I want to know Christ. What do you mean you want to know Christ? You know Christ. You, you raised people from the dead. You saw him face to face. You've experienced his healing power over and over. What do you mean I want to know Christ? Paul says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death. I want to know Christ. Jump down to verse 12. Paul says, not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal. I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, yeah, I go to church, but that's not enough. Yeah, I pray to prayer, but I know there's got to be more to this. So I keep pressing on in this. I keep moving forward. Why, Paul? Because I want to know Christ. Let's go to verse 13. Paul says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. One thing I do, though, forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. Forgetting what is behind. Now, it's important we understand. When Paul says forgetting what is behind, if we were to say that, hey, I'm forgetting what all, everything that is behind, we would probably be talking about our addiction, our lifestyle of sin, our, our out there just uh, raising Cain anywhere and everywhere, doing whatever we want to, living for ourselves. Paul's not talking about that. Paul, up to his conversion, sincerely thought he was serving God. Are you following me? He was a regular, active, religious church attender. Paul. Paul's saying, I did a lot of religious stuff. I, I, I thought, here, here's why this is important. Because in the past and current culture, what we've been guilty of is someone can go on a mission trip. Someone can serve, feel the, feed the needy, help build a scholarship or help build a school, help build a church. Then they'll spend the rest of their life bragging and patting themselves on the back for that one thing they did. Come on. Or somebody will give in a special offering. And then they'll feel so proud of themselves for giving when all we really did was give back to God what he gave us first. And Paul says, hey, I've done some really good religious things. 
I've had some experiences with God that would blow your mind. But that's the past. And I can't stay in the past. That was great. But I've got to keep moving forward and press on. Why? Because I want to know Christ. Because I forget what is behind. I strain. Strain. That, that implies some effort is involved. Right? Look at this, verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ. And then I want to read these next two verses from the paraphrasing of the Passion. Because, man, I just think it speaks so vividly. He says, so let all who are fully mature have this same passion. And if anyone is not yet gripped by these desires. I love that. Paul says, let everybody that's mature, that's been doing this a long time, have these same passions. But if you're not there yet, keep coming. Keep showing up. Keep hanging around this community because God will reveal it to you if you just keep showing up. Come on. And then he says, and let us all advance together to reach this victory prize following one path and one passion. He says, let's advance. Don't stay where we're at. Let's, don't think we've arrived. And let's do it together. Let's do it together. So today, I want to go back to the basics. I'm ask you if you got change. Is there change occurring in your life? Because change is going to come, as Raven saying. Change is going to come. And so I want to give you seven ways. And when I say basics, we're going back to the basics. You're going to be like, duh, Kelly, it's no real revelation. And we're going to talk about that. But these are seven things that if you really want to grow in your walk of Christ, if you really want to know Christ like Paul's talking about, these seven things are going to be starting points. For you. First one, if you're taking notes, read the Bible. Kelly, that's obvious. I know to read the Bible. Great. Why aren't you? Well, why, why do you wait to, wait to read the Bible until you're in a bind and you need to look for a scripture to speak to your situation? Come on. Kelly, I just don't understand it. That was a great excuse when I was growing up. All we had was KJV. All the these, thou's, begets. Stuff that I was like, I don't, I, I don't even know where to start. Now, you've got so many versions, so many translations that break it down and simplify it for you. And, and he said, well, Kelly, I don't have a, a, a Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible and want one, see somebody today in this church because we'll get you one. You'll leave here today with one. But here's what I know. 99.9% .9 of you have a smartphone. And there are apps that you can download besides Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, Reddit, TikTok, uh, Fox News, CNN News, let's run the gamut. That you can actually, you can actually download a Bible app. And, and here's the thing. Well, I don't know where to start. Well, here, look at a Bible plan. 
There are all so many different Bible plans. But I'll give you a suggestion. If this is new to you, I would suggest the NIV or NLT. Start there. Don't, but I would suggest start in the New Testament. You start in the Old Testament. By the time you get to Leviticus, you're going to be like, okay, this is just weird. This is crazy stuff because you don't, you know, it's hard to understand some of it. But I'm going to tell you, there is no excuse. And, and, and I, I tell you, I'm passionate about this uh, because we've been doing this a long time. And I'm amazed at the number of people that will tell me that I, I want to hear from God, yet they don't have a daily practice of reading their word. Here, look at it. If you're taking notes, we don't read the Bible to discover what to do. We read the Bible, the Bible to discover who God is. Now, now let me say this. There have been times when I've been, God, I need you to speak to me. I need you to speak to me. And I researched and God spoke to me. Okay, here's the direction you need to take. But more importantly than that, I read the Bible so I can know who God is. Because if I do not know who God is, I will not do what he wants me to do. I need to know who God is. And, and, and so the number number two thing, before you pull it up, we saw this last week. Last week was one of the most powerful baptisms I've ever been part of. You want to grow your walk? Be baptized. Be baptized. Now let me say this. Baptism does not save you. If you're not a Christian, when you go under, you're not going to be one, one when you come up. You go down a center, you're going to come up a wet one. That's it. Here's why baptism is so important for every Christian. The very first thing that Jesus commanded of people when, when they chose to follow him was to put on, do a public display of what they've done. So check it out, Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He says, yeah, make them disciples, get them saved, baptize them. I'm not trying to offend anybody, but according to Scripture, there is no baptism before conversion. Before salvation. It's, it's just not biblical. In, in fact, over 27 places in the Bible where it talks about baptism, every one of them were post-salvation. Are you with me? So if, if you were baptized when you were younger, but you never really surrendered your life to Christ, I say you probably need to redo that. If you were baptized, but then you walked away from Christ for a while and just lived however, I, I would say, hey, it'd probably be a good idea to just, hey, I'm, I'm, re, I'm showing people I'm recommitted to this. We saw this happen last week with several people. So I'm going to tell you, you want to grow your walk, your relationship, get baptized. Third, oh, this is going to really get some of you. Consistent church attendance. Hear me out, what's about our family? Not once a month attendance. Not when it's convenient for me attendance. 
Not when I feel like it, attendance. Consistent, regular church attendance. Well, Kelly, I just, I just don't agree with you. I, I've got a group of people I meet with weekly. I, keep it up. Do it. Jesus also had that. But you also look at Jesus' life and it says, Jesus regularly went to the temple. Yeah, he met outside, but regularly, once a week, he found himself in a temple with other people in the community. So I'm telling you, you need, you need to be part of a body. Let me, let me explain like this. I know this is going to sound insane. Um, let's say you were driving down the road, and you were heading from here to Sweetwater. And you come across an accident that has just occurred at the well-thought-out roundabout down here on 6858. Come on, y'all know there's accidents going to happen down here. Most people, what is a roundabout? Listen, but let's say you come across that. And you get a little bit past it, and then from that accident, you see a severed arm on the side of the road. And you think, I could use another arm. <laughs> you pull over, you pick up that arm, take it home with you. Now, <laughs> this is sounding weirder than I thought. Let me ask you, what is going to happen to that arm eventually? It's going to die. It's going to rot. It's going to be of no use. Here's why I said, no, it wasn't dead. If you put it on some ice, they can reconnect it. But here's the thing. The problem with a lot of the people in the church today and the churches is they're filled with severed limbs that have been severed from the body and because they're severed, they will eventually die. And they can never be of use to what they were supposed to do because they've separated themselves from the body. Are you with me? We, you, and I were meant to be connected with a local church body. Man, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus... You're called to be part of the local church body. And I've heard every argument out there, and none of them line up with what Jesus... I, I'm going to talk about this in, in week one of I Love the Bar, of why I love the church so much, and why Jesus was passionate about the church. See, it, it really bothers me, and man, I didn't say this at 9 a.m., but I've got more time at the 11. When I hear people really... Bad mouth the church. That would be like, I, I love Jesus, but I can't stand the church. And baby, like you come to me, hey, Kelly, I love you, but I can't stand Denise. <laughs> Did we not realize the church is the bride of Christ and is messed up. And as flawed and as broken as it can be at times, it was still God's plan for it to save this earth, the people in it. We'll talk about that more later. Let's, that's free. That's free. Look at Hebrews 10.25. The writer says, 
Let us not neglect our church meetings as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, I'm no prophecy nut. I'm not one of those that studies it, that goes out. There are people that do, and that's great. I'm just one of those people. I want to know what's going to help me today. But without, with that being said, I don't have to be somebody who studies prophecy to know we are living in the last days. We are close to his return with all the nonsense that's going on. And he says, hey, don't neglect it, especially when you see the time approaching. One version says this, don't get out of the habit. R right after COVID, um, when it had all cleared up and Denise and I would run into people that used to really be plugged in. And we'd say, hey, we've missed you. Hey, God, what's going on? Everything okay? And usually the response we'd get is, listen... Everything's good. We're not hurt. You didn't offend us. We're not upset at anybody. We're not mad. We just got out of the habit. It's easy. Hey, that's why I'm in Denise. Went to church somewhere, even on sabbatical, because I was afraid I'd like not going too much. No. <laughs> so, is this what people do on Sundays? No. Here we go. Is that too honest? I'm sorry. Let's move on. You, you and I are called to be connected. We're called to be connected. Fourth thing you can you do. Regular confession and repentance. Mm. I grew up in a church that specialized in behavior modification. Come on, some of you, anybody? I can tell you from personal experience that rarely led to lasting change in someone. And I'm going to make a statement that some of you may push back on, but hear me out. God is not after your behavior. God is after your heart. And here's, here's why I say that. God knows this. If he can get your heart, the rest of you will follow, your, follow suit. If the rest of you, hey, I, I spoke a little bit about this last week. Men, when that woman got our heart, listen, we did stuff we would never do. Things changed about us. Why? Because they had our heart. And God knows this, if I can get their heart, and that's why I tell me, listen, come as you are. Come jacked up. Come messed up. Come however you want. God wants you because I know this, if you can get in here and the Holy Spirit can begin to work on you and He gets your heart, all this other stuff will just flow. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, Denise and I were talking about that. I think we were talking to Marty about it. Uh, I cannot tell you the number of couples that, that, that began to come to church here just simply because we loved them. They, they were living together. They weren't married. We loved them. I didn't get in their face and you're going to hell. You need to be doing this. I, we loved them. I preached the gospel. And what we saw was people come to us and say, Pastors, God's been dealing with us. We can't stay in this. We married people in their homes, on farms. We married them in a cabin over COVID. I'm telling you, married them in my office without me being some self-righteous jerk. Are you following me? 
He's after your heart. Look at this, Ezekiel 14. The leaders of Israel had fallen away, began to worship idols. Look at this, starting with verse 1. Some of the elders of Israel came to me, sat down in front of me. Then the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, these men, look at this, have set up idols where? Come on, where what's far? In their hearts. They've set up idols in their hearts that put wicked stumbling blocks before their faces. Should I let them inquire of me at all? Verse 4. Therefore speak to them and tell them. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When any of the Israelites set up idols where? And put a wicked stumbling block before their faces. And if they'll go to a prophet. I the Lord will answer them. Myself in keeping with their great adultery. Look at this. And I will do this to look. Recapture the hearts of the people. If I can recapture the hearts of the people, all this other junk will fall into place. I, I believe that, that is the number one thing God needs to do to the church today is recapture the heart of the people. Man, I said this this morning. Went with our group that gathers here to pray at 820. I said, I got here, I got here early this morning. And I wanted to make sure I felt like God was up to something. I set two alarms for myself just to make sure. If one, if I put the the uh, snooze or turned off, I'd get here. I want to get here. And I said, I feel like God said, a lot of us, churches become just a formality. Just something we do out of habit. And God wants to recapture the hearts of his people. That doesn't mean we're out sinning. In fact, that's the problem. We don't think our hearts need to be recaptured because we're not out doing some grievous sin. We've just settled into normal. And God is saying, remember the passion you used to have. Remember the love for me you used to have. I want to recapture that. And I think a lot of it has to do with we've set up idols in our heart and didn't even know they were there. Pastor Bob did a thing a couple weeks ago. You, you might be getting a letter from Paul if, y'all remember that? Let's play a fun one. You might have an idol in your heart if. It's going to be a fun game. Like, like when Pastor Casey got up here and took up the offering. Or I get up here and I talk about money, talk about giving, talk about uh, being generous, uh, about, uh, about tithing. If you walk away from here, man, all he ever talks about is money. All the church wants is my money. Well, you may just have an idol in your heart. If you walk away from here on a, on a, on a given day, all Pastor Kelly talks about is sex or abstaining from sex until you're married. All he talks about. Chances are there's an idol there. Come on. All PK talks about is forgiving people that hurt us. Chances are there's an idol there. All PK talks about is serving, getting involved. Maybe there's an idol there. And here's the thing about idols. But see, 
we all kind of cringe. Here's the truth of it. We all cringe when a sore spot gets hit. Come on, don't we? You, you've got a place on you, somebody accident. Oh, man. Oh, something just happened. Well, that, that's the thing with idols. It's uncomfortable to have, an, have idol remover redone. When God goes in and does open heart surgery to remove the idols, that can be painful. But can I tell you, it is a necessary step. Damon had, in, had to have surgery done on his heart. It was uncomfortable. It, it, did, it, 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 uh, it didn't go with his schedule. It interrupted his life and his schedule. But here's what happens. With that surgery he did, had done on his heart, it improved his quality of life. And what we don't understand is when God is trying to do something uncomfortable and it's making us uncomfortable, it is going to improve the quality of our walk with him if we will just stick with it. See, here's the thing. Whenever I hear somebody talking about a, another church or another pastor, what they're saying about that church or pastor says more about them than it does about that church or pastor they're talking about. Jesus is after our heart. That's why Proverbs 4.23 says this. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Guard your heart. So you have to ask. I, yet today, you're going to say, Holy Spirit, show me. Is there an idol that I maybe even wasn't aware of? Reveal it to me. Show it to me. And then rid me of it. Number five, we're going to hurry. You want to grow and change? Confession and repentance is necessary and giving. Just expose an idol for some of you. Just smile and look straight ahead. Let me say this. I'm a Tennessee Vol fan through and through. Even after last night. It's hard to be a Tennessee Vol. You know, we sing, it's great to be a Tennessee. Well, it's, it's hard to be a Tennessee. But I love Tennessee. I hate the Florida Gators. Um, with that being said, I'm also a huge SEC fan. So when, when it comes time for, 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 for the playoffs or for, for uh, the uh, bowl games, if Florida is playing a non-SEC team, I root for Florida simply because I want SEC to be seen as the best conference in college ball. Now, James Lacombe does not see things the way I see them. <laughs> James Lacombe's mindset is, if you are a Tennessee fan, there is no way you could ever root for Florida Gators or Alabama. It is just, you, you are sinning when you do that. You can't, it doesn't, doesn't line up. In fact, I'll go so far as to say this. I'm, I try to think of a way to say this without being offensive, but if it offends you, grow some thicker skin. Uh, <laughs> James Lacombe, if, if Florida or Alabama were playing against the Taliban, James would go to the bathroom, grab a towel, 
wrap it around his head and call for a jihad against Florida or Alabama. He'd be like, go get him. <laughs> what? It does keep getting worse. So I better back up. Back up and punt. Back up and punt. Back up and punt. But he hates him. There is no way the two can even go together. Are you kidding me? You know, Jesus felt the same way about some things. You were like, how is he going to make this spiritual? Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. You'll either hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. Get this. Jesus didn't say the number one competitor for your heart or worship was Satan. He said the number one competitor for our hearts is money. Money. And then the three verses right before that, verse 21, he says this. For where your treasure is, there's your heart. In other, word, in other words, wherever the majority of your resources are going, that's where your heart is. That's where your heart is. And I spend a lot of time, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because I'm actually going to talk more about this uh, when we kick off our building fun. But I will say this, and hear, hear my heart. If you haven't learned to faithfully give to God, you haven't learned how to faithfully follow God. Because faithfully following God means trusting God more than yourself with everything you have. That went over great. Let's go number six. Share Jesus. You want to grow on your walk? Share Jesus. In fact, I called an audible for this Wednesday night. Didn't know this, didn't discuss it with Casey until the 9 a.m. in the middle of my message. I think English was supposed to speak, uh, teach Wednesday night. But we're, we're going to dive into this deeper. Because I think, here's what I believe. If 50% of the people in this building began to share Jesus, what he did for them, what he's brought them from, we could not build a big enough building to seat the people that would come in. That's just half of you. So, so we're going to, uh, Wednesday night, we're, we're, I called it out and said, hey, we're going to talk about this. We're going to talk about how to share your faith. How to share your faith. Is it going to be uncomfortable? Yeah, it, it is. But how many know you never grow without being uncomfortable? Ever. Look at uh, uh, Philemon 1.6. I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. Put into action. Be active in sharing your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Do you know why I believe the number one problem uh, reason is that uh, most people don't know the good things we've experienced in Christ? Because we've never told them. We've never shared it with them. We've never shared our story with them. And so, I, so we're going to talk about it. You want to grow your faith? 
Begin to share your faith. Here's another great advantage to sharing your faith and your testimony. Look at this, Revelations 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to death. They did not value how other people saw them. They did not care what others thought if they shared their faith. Well, I, I don't know how to be gay. Couple of pointers. In fact, I'm going to give you some homework for Wednesday night. If you're coming on Wednesday night, write down your testimony word for word. I shared that. I told Brent, went to Brent, Katie said, guys, write down your testimony word for word. And, and Katie was like, uh, you may have to censor mine. Uh, not necessarily those words. She said, I've got something. I said, I want, I want, write it down. Write it down. Then we'll videotape it and we'll, we'll, we'll work on that. But I'm going to tell you, write it. Why? Because we've never. If I were to ask, most people have never written down their testimony and then just tried to share. Hey, let me practice on you. Hey, you mind if I might, I'm going to try to share my story with you. I'm going to tell you, when you begin to share your story, the more you share it, the easier it gets. And what, here's when we do our, our new to the bar class or, uh, meetings, we got one coming up October 1st. For people that want more info, those that are interested in becoming members, we ask them to write down your testimony. Why? Because we know your testimony is something that could help heal somebody else. I'm telling you, share your faith. And last but not least, you want to grow your, in your walk, within your relationship? Serve. Serve. If I get Bible to come on up. I heard about this pastor. In fact, well, it was, um, what's his name up at New Spring? He was at New Spring. One of my favorite, Perry Noble, one of my favorites. My, my, my mind went blank. He was talking about he got so frustrated because the numbers of people that said they attended there did not reflect people that were serving. He said, I got so frustrated, I went in and, and told our administrator, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go through, and I want you to put a mark whether they're active or inactive members. And he said he, people started getting upset. Hey, why was I marked as inactive? Uh, because you're not doing nothing. Now, Perry pastors a big enough church where he could do that. Me, I'm just happy you're here. God bless you. God bless Thank you for showing up today. And, and you may say, well, if you did that here, I would be marked as active. Let me say this. This is in your notes. Attendance does not equal involvement. Can you bring that point up for me? Attendance does not equal involvement. See, as a pastor here at Watsmark Community Church, I want to build a culture of service. I, I want to build a culture of service and giving. I, I want our, our, our volunteer, I want it to be so bad where I say, hey, guys, I've got you on a waiting list because we've got so many people that want to serve. We're going we're gonna to put you on a I, I want to have people. Uh, our son Zion just uh, went to a new uh, at, at the company he works for, this coffee uh, company down there, where he's, he's now their hopper, where he, he goes to wherever they need him. Oh, I'm needed over here. I'm going to go be a barista there. I'm going to go. I'm needed over here. 
I, I want to have hoppers that show up here at 8.30 on Sunday morning. Where you need me, Pastor? Where you need me? You need me, you need me down WB Kids? Let's go. Let's go. I'll rock it with them down there. I, that should be the attitude of every follower of Jesus. I want to serve. I want to show up. We had people that showed up here, I don't even know what time, 8, 9 o'clock yesterday morning. And they went through this church and cleaned it. They didn't get paid. Yeah, you ought to be clapping or you'd be sitting on boogers in your seat. Simply because he said, I want to serve. I want to serve. 1 Peter 4.10 Each of you, each of you, should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful steward of God's grace in its various forms. If you're a follower of Jesus, I'd just like to know what my calling is. I'm about to tell you. Serve. Serve. That's your calling as a follower of Jesus. Serve. In fact, I'll say this. If you're a follower of Jesus, it's not an option. It's not a request. We, we can offer up excuses left and right, but at the end of the day, you and I have been called to serve. He says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. In Matthew 20, James and John's mom sneaks off and wants to have a private conversation with Jesus. And the reason she does is because she doesn't want the other disciples to hear it. And she says, hey, Jesus, when, when you come into your kingdom, do this for me. Let my boys sit at your left and one at your right hand. Let them sit with you on your throne. And then the other disciples hear about what she's done and they get an attitude. Which I, we, we would all get an attitude. And so they start arguing back and forth. Hey, hey, no, no. And they just get angry. And Jesus sees what's going on. And he looks at them and says this, Matthew 20, 28. Your attitude needs to be like mine. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served. But I came to serve. And to give my life as a ransom for many. He looks at, he says, guys, listen, yeah, you, you should probably be upset with James and John. They did something wrong. But you, your attitude is not acceptable either. Because you're wanting to be up here. But that attitude, you, want, you need to have the attitude that I have. The one you're saying you're following after. I did not come to be served. I came to serve. I'll say this. According to Jesus, if you're not serving, you're not following Jesus. Mm. I know that sounds harsh, but get mad at Jesus, not me. Here, here, here's what I, I've learned growing up in church. There are those that will tell you how much they want to serve, and then there are those that just show up and serve. 
James, the half-brother of Jesus, he's having this conversation about people that are, that they're full of talk is what they are. They're telling everybody how saved they are, but they're doing nothing. And James pretty much says, listen, listen, hey, show me your faith without works, without deeds. I'll show you mine by what I do. Show me your faith by doing nothing but talking. I won't even have to talk and people will know where I stand. Come on, guys. Why are you so pressing on this, Pastor? Because I personally know what serving did in my life and what it's continuing to do. I know that through serving in the local church growing up, Denise and I made connections that we still have today. We were held accountable by, by people in our lives. We, we developed relationships. For, for those that say, I don't have a lot of friends, serve. Serve in an area. You'll develop friendships. Serve. Serve. And I'll say this, listen. You are too important and have too much of a call of God on your life to just come in on Sundays and sit down. So here's how we're going to end. Stand with me. Can I say this? One of the most spiritual things you could do today is decide you're going to serve. We've got four areas that we really need people to serve in. Four areas. If I don't name an area you, you want to serve in, listen, that don't... We'll plug you in somewhere. But four areas, we need people to step up and say, you know what? I don't really feel called to that, but I'm one of those people, if I see a need, I'm going to feel the need. WB Kids, we are in desperate need of people that will not just sign up, but show up when they're supposed to. And man, I'm going to press in hard on this. Because we got people that sign up, I'm going to serve. We schedule them to serve, then they don't show up. We need people not sign up, but show up. Remember Spirit Day we had a couple weeks ago? We had one service, and it was a, a holiday weekend. We still had 230, 30, 40 people here that Sunday, or 300, 330, 40 people here that Sunday. 40-something was down in WB Kids. Do you know how many workers they had? Two. By my math, that's one per 20 plus. That's unacceptable. We need people that'll say, you know what? I'll sign up. Man, I'll sign up. I'll serve. I'll be there. I'll I'll help pour into a kid. I'll teach a kid. You say, I don't know about teaching. Listen, you don't have to teach if you just don't want to. Just show up and show the kid what it looks like to be a real man or woman. Show them what it looks like to follow Jesus. We are in desperate need of people to sign up. Another area, nursery. We need people on Sunday mornings, on Wednesday nights, and we are desperate need for people that will volunteer to watch babies and, uh, and do the nursery at CR. Because these the people that are coming in here on Thursday nights, they need to know I've got a safe place I can let, drop my baby off and go in here and get ministered to. Because here's the truth, most of them that are involved in CR, they don't know what it's like to have a safe place to drop their baby off to. Be that for them. Be that for them. 
We need people on our prayer team. I don't know if you notice when I say, hey, can I get our prayer team to come forward? Man, I'm calling people out left and right just to get people to pray for people. Kelly, I'm not the best prayer in the world. Neither am I. I wouldn't even rank myself in the top 1,000. But sometimes it's as simple as this. Hey, hey, what are you up here for? Let's agree with that right now. It's letting somebody know, hey, I'm here with you. I'm praying with you. We need, we need people to say, hey, I want to sign up for the prayer. I'll pray over the leadership here. I'll pray over the pastors. I'll pray for direction. Where, where we're going, what we need to do. Sign up for that. We need people for an events team. People that are willing to sign up. Hey, I'll be part of the team that sets up, tears down. I'll be part of the planning committee that helps to get things rolling. We know who's going here. Well, those are things we need because at Spirit Day, basically a lot of stuff slipped through the cracks simply because it was the leadership, the pastors you see up here every week trying to do take care of everything in here along with trying to take care of everything out there. Those are areas we need people to step up. So, and this may be the greatest thing I've ever done or I may go into the office and cry later. If you'll say, you know what, Kelly? I'll serve. I'll serve. One of those areas, I'm going to sign up today. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to dismiss you right now because we, we've got a place right in the, the where they're going to meet you and you're going to sign up. They're going to get information about you. That's right. Let yourself out. Go back there. Say, excuse me, but I'm going to follow Jesus. And if they, if you see them and you know they don't serve, say, hey, excuse me, sinner, I'm going to follow Jesus. No, no, don't say that. Don't say that. Unless you want to. We've got places. We've got places that you serve. We, Denise and I talked uh, this week with a couple that really want to head up a, a, a mission program. And we're involved with Tim, you know, Tim Olofsson. Uh, and, and that's one of the things I forgot to announce. October 15th, between the 9 a.m. and the 11 a.m. service at 1020. If you want more information on the Guatemala mission trip we're going to be doing next April, Fellowship Paul at 1020 on October 15th. He's going to give you the information. You, you may say, well, I don't know if I can go, and, but I'd like to get show up October 15th. I'm telling you guys. We're not just building a building just to have something to do. Because I could think of a thousand other things I like to do than the headache of a construction project. But we're building a place where broken people can come. And when they show up, they've got people that are going to serve them and treat them in ways they've never been treated before. I want you to be part of that. I want you to be part. And if today, well, Kelly, you know what? I'd like to be a greeter. I'd like to be an usher. I think I could do that. I think you can too. Well, Kelly, I'd like to do it. I'm telling you, let us know. Fill out, fill out a card. Fill out a connect card. Tell us where you are. Or me with one of them back there. My wife will be in the back saying, this is where I want to serve. We watch Bar Community Church. If you call this place home, treat it like you own it and serve. Amen? Well, that was weak. I'm just going to believe that. I know, listen, I know this was a hard message. 
I did not enjoy preaching it. I throw funny stuff in just to try to add a little sugar with the medicine. But I believe God is saying, you want to follow me? This is part of it. More than just showing up on Sunday, find a place, serve. Amen? Pastor Ben, you got anything? Father, I just pray today. God, I pray that they would hear the heart of the message today. It's not a message to make anybody feel bad or cause shame, but it is a message to make us check ourselves and say, Holy Spirit, are you speaking to me? Am I guilty of just showing up and not being really involved? And God, I just pray that, that we would become a culture that serves, that is generous, that gives, that meets people right where they are and loves people right where they are. And I just pray blessings over this week as people go their way, that as they leave here, they'd be Jesus at the restaurants, Jesus at work, Jesus at school, Jesus at the gym, Jesus at park, that they would be Jesus with skin on to people out there in this world. And it's in your name I pray. And the church said... Guys, have a great week. Love y'all.